Welcome back to Last Night Recap. And um, this week, I'm, uh, I'm getting back into the groove, I think. I'm not that um, ill anymore. Anyways, my voice is better. But I'm, I'm wondering, who's, who's here with me? Uh, usually, it's uh, someone called Matt. Matt is here. Matt is here, ready. Very happy that you're back on form, Johan. Oh, thank you very we, much. We and were I worried. Heard... Oh, you were? We were no, worried. You know. Oh, thank you very much. And I heard that you had a lot of questions this week. We've had a lot of questions. Questions with Matt is something to look forward to a little bit later in the show, I think, as uh, people have been in touch. I mean, that's my favorite part of all this podcast, I, I, I must say. <laughs> oh, Martin, and, Martin, we can go, yeah? Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. I know yeah that's like, <laughs> bro, <laughs> I know, it's like, it's like the podcast that says. Uh, the new title of the show is Questions with Matt. Full oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Martin, what's yes. up tonight? What's happening tonight with... Well, we've got... Yeah, we've got the uh, the EMEA tweet of the week, and we've got a little bit of a recap of the, as the show would, you know, hint at, we've got a recap, believe it or not, of the EMEA chat that we had uh, this past Tuesday, the 26th. So we've got a couple of things coming up, a couple of good uh, questions and discussion points, and uh, looking forward to the, the first ever EMEA tweet of the week this week. Oh, very good. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. And then we have Kurt. But first, before we ask about the Americas, <laughs> we need to know where is Kurt? <laughs> what do you so, think? I don't know. Uh, do you want to ask a question? One question each. One Come question on. each. Come on. Martin, quick. Martin. Um, is it the city of brotherly love? Not yet. Damn. <laughs> Max. <laughs> Uh, is it uh, is it warm there? It, it can get really warm there, Matt. This week that could have been Cardiff. It it's... could have been Cardiff. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> Good point, Martin. Thank you. Is it the capital of Georgia? It's not the capital of Georgia. <gasps> it is my outside God, of it. <laughs> oh my God! So where are you? I am in Savannah. Georgia. Savannah. Savannah, Georgia. Savannah. Savannah. Oh, that's Savannah, a nice place, actually. That's yeah. yeah, Savannah's cool. a really nice place. It's really nice. It's um, actually, um, the locals told me, if you remember Forrest Gump, um, the yep. scene yep. where he sits at the bench and tells his story, that's Savannah, Georgia. That's Savannah, yeah, I knew that. Yeah. So, oh, uh, brilliant. So okay, good. this show will be like a box of chocolates. You never know what you will get. Oh, good. Oh, oh, nice. There we go. I think that's it. <laughs> That's yeah. literally, literally how I see this show, man. Yeah. Yes. There's, right? there's, hey, we've uh... got some fun things coming up on this side of the ocean, too. Um, we've, we've started something called Mary's Screen Grab. And Mary said, Mary Kemper, <laughs> Mrs., at Mrs. Kemper this week, um, she wants her mug one. So um, we'll, we'll have to send her one over. But um, she's talking about in math, this is uh, about setting up problems worth solving. Um, I love the three-act structure for inquiry. And don't forget, you can you can't untell or unshow the kids anything. So let's see what that's an answer to um, when we talk about the Americas chat, which was all about um, uh, ownership ownership of learning throughout. And then guys, hashtag of the okay, week. Go on, sorry. Hashtag of the that. week. Hashtag book bentos. That was a new thing for me. Ooh. So let's see if we can get book bentos. Did you see any photoburst magic come through last week? 
No. Mm. No, I Nothing didn't see No? Not talking about looking, it. Looking no, forward. Gonna, yeah. Let's see what oh, happened at EA. Guys, I'm really looking forward to this uh, recap. Yeah. Okay, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Okay, cool. Okay, welcome back. Um, guys, we're going to kick it off with the EMEA recap. And this week, the EMEA topic was Reaching All Learners. And it was hosted by Paul Tullock and Ruth Smith, um, who put together a really great chat with six um, sort of really interesting questions. I'd like to kick off the recap with a EMEA Tweet of the Week. And uh, this week, it was from at Lindsay Balf. And her tweet was in response to question five, which um, asked, how do you use accessibility features for yourself? Um, and uh, Lindsay's answer was that she uses them all. She uses most of them. Uh, she's dyslexic, and the features that have helped her immensely um, was using the, speak, uh, the speech-to-text feature, which she actually uses to answer her tweets as she was going through. And I just really like that answer because... A lot of the time we talk about how technology and these features impact on a student's learning, um, when in actual, actual fact, Lindsay's talking about how this has affected her productivity and how she uses the devices personally. And I think that's, that's something that, that we always need to remember is all about the, the, the full circle, how it works with kids and how it works with, uh, with teachers. So I just wanted to call that out for the first EMEA tweet of the week. Right. Cool. Oh, so, well, that's very good. Yeah. So it's nice to see it from a different angle. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking. It was sort of taking it from a, a different angle point of view and just sort of mm -hmm. seeing seeing how we can bring this round. But the um, the question that I'm wanting to recap uh, on is uh, actually question four, and I've got three answers: uh, one from Chris Galley, one from Damian Parker, and one from Rachel Smith, who is going to feature, I think, a couple of times this episode. Not to give anything away. But question four. Um, obviously, this chat was all about um, accessibility, reaching all learners, this, the, the, you know, that type of approach. Uh, question four asked, are there any apps or techniques you've used that have helped make learning accessible? So not just looking at the features, but actually how we make learning accessible as teachers. So Chris's answer, Chris Galley, which is at cgalleyedu, he said, Clips is a great way for all learners to show their understanding. The live titles feature allows them to dictate and transcribe their ideas and they visually tell their stories. And I think knowing the three of you the way I do, not one of you would disagree with that in terms of how much of an impact Clips can have on, on children's learning. Oh, I'm I'm still waiting for the live titles to come to um, iMovie. I mean, I know that the closed captioning feature came into um, Final Cut. Yeah, uh, seeing the impact that it that it's had for just English as a second learn uh, as a second language or any um, second language learning, um, and then live titles, thirty nine or thirty eight different um, languages. languages in there, I believe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that that's been an incredible feature. It is. It's a massive feature. We um we 
you know, we've been we've been using it quite a lot as well in in our school, and we don't have a lot of EAL, but we have some pupils that have uh, communication issues, and certainly the the impact that that live titles has just for them to actually be able to share their understanding um, in a way that they haven't always been able to. You know, this way that they can they can't maybe they can't maybe write it down as well. They can't type it out, but they can speak, and they can then have their text come to life. The the speak to text, the transcribe live titles, all of that, I'm a massive, massive fan of. Yeah, and I, I've heard, like, um, I was in Italy um, beginning of the year, and um, well, school year, that is, yeah. and um, they were telling me that the uh, students over there are learning English quicker and quicker by bin- binge-watching Netflix and yeah. using the, the subtitles. So nice. instead of having dubbing, um, so that the influence of, of subtitling um it's, it's enormous. Yeah. I, I see it yeah. with, with uh, Christine, who was uh, learning Dutch. Um, and, I mean, of course, she can't understand me, but the subtitles <laughs> help her. Yeah. But you know that, uh, for example, like Dutch people or, for example, in Scandinavia, we all we don't have dubbed at all. And we have a lot of influence, especially from England. Yeah. Of mm-hmm. course, from America. But we all have subtitles. And I mean, my son at this point, um, he knows pretty much uh, he can talk English and he's like seven years old because, um, you know, he hears it all the time. Yeah. Because on, on the telly, uh, and I know that Dutch people have the same. I don't know. Uh, what What's about the Flemish part of uh, Belgium? Is that the same for you guys? Oh, it's. I think it's a little different. We even subtitle parts from the other side of the country. Yeah. Not oh, okay. yeah. It's like, yeah, it's a dial. Sometimes shows are in dialect and then they will subtitle yeah. them in Dutch. But. So it's it's very typical for Dutch and the Scandinavian countries to have that. And you can see a really increase of uh, learning English as a second language. Um, uh, and I think it's a good thing. So yeah, it's it's uh, <laughs> really scientifically proven. Yeah, That's really I actually cool. prefer and, uh, going to movie theaters over here in the U.S., um, which have closed captioning on. Um, one, you can the volume is is lower, um, and two, you can just follow the movie along. We we miss it when it's not on, and Christine's yeah. native uh, English, so yeah, uh, she kind of like jumped into my habit of having subtitles on the whole time. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. That's cool. That's a really yeah. good take on it. Yeah, know, I yeah, I really yeah. like that take actually. That the um, the the sort of the live titles being the the way that it's it's becoming accessible, not just for you know. I think EAL is is where this kind of um, this really this really sells itself. Um, the next. Nice. Uh, the next one that I'm just I'm just conscious of is of our time and and yeah, yes. things flowing. Yeah, do the two other ones. Yeah, I think so the next well. the next one I'll just talk about quickly. Damien uh, Parker, who was spoke spoken about uh, a couple of times in this show, was actually um, the reason that I called this one out is he says I'm finding less of a need to look outside the iWork apps. Everything we need for our students to access the curriculum is available. Speech to text, text, um, Siri voice record in uh, across them all um it's it's becoming a it's becoming a commonplace story that you know when when technology first started getting used the the phrase there's an app for that was being used now we're actually coming full circle away from the need for this i i call it like the ikea catalog worth of uh worth of apps we don't need a table we don't need what's wrong with ikea nothing <laughs> i love ikea i love ikea i just but, uh, I, 
I like, I like when I go into IKEA and I can see everything at the door, and then I can go to the checkout. That's what I like about about IKEA. Yeah, it's pretty. Um, so, Martin, is... we've we've talked about this quite a lot, haven't we? The, yeah. the kind of move back to native apps because you know why spend all that time trying to learn the complexities of different apps when actually what are you trying to achieve should yeah. be what what the focus is. And I know a lot of the work that I've done with with primary schools is that they 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 want to have something that is a tool it's it's a go-to thing that can do a lot of things as opposed to well what app what app do we now need to do for this and what app do we know because that's where they lose their children and that might be something that they can develop as they get older but Mm -hmm. actually if it's just about digital competence and it's using something to create a new voice for learners yeah which is what we're talking about really here in terms of accessibility it's just a new way to share knowledge and understanding you know, and that, does it have to be as broad as a hundred different apps? You know, yeah. No, and I, I really love that because generally there's a, an app for, for, let's say, presentation like Keynote. Yeah, and you can use it for many things. And and really, you want your students to have an app that's that they they know that's probably going to look like something that is going to be in the future. So, for example, like um, mind mapping, mm-hmm. I always do it in Keynote yep. uh, with young people because I don't download a new key, you know, like mind map app because I can do it in Keynote and then they learn Keynote as well so they will get better at presentations. Mm. So I think that's really important. Absolutely. Well. So I'm totally with you guys on yeah. that one. It just keeps everything in the same place as well, doesn't it? So you're yeah. not, you know... I know that we want to teach students about structure and organization of their work, but you know, if they are doing mind mapping in one app and then they're doing presentation in another app and then, then you kind of want to put the two together. It's there's a, there's another time-lapse element where they're trying to find, Oh, where did I do that? What, which app was that? How do I get that into that app? And, that's it. And oh, yeah. I think I think that's what a lot of people forget is that it's like you say, Matt, there's this additional learning curve where, right. I've created it in this app. I then need to, how do I save it from this app again? Can yeah. I use this? And it's it's adding an, a, a layer of comp, uh, a layer of complication that that you don't want. It yeah. should be out of the box. It should be use it without without having to have this steep learning curve, which a lot of apps have. They've got a massive learning curve in order in order to use yeah. it effectively. Yeah. And I'm going to be really boring <laughs> with you guys. And I'm oh, saying no. sorry, He's feeling better. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Ding, 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 ding. The 20 seconds, ready. go. Most of these apps that we get from the, from, from for example, in, with Apple or, or other big companies, mm-hmm. they're yeah. free. And for me, I want yeah. school to yeah. be yeah. free. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. so I don't want to yeah. pay for an additional yeah. app. I just want it to be free. Well, you've paid. Yeah, yeah that's it. Too. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm sorry free to without, be boring, free but that's important as well. an angle to it, too. Like yeah. a lot of them say that get them for free in the store and then you get commercials yeah. or something like yeah. that. Um, coming back to the topic, what I what I think um, it's nice is that the accessibility being built in into all of the devices yeah. um, for your core skill of um, have it be um, speech to text or text to speech or, or shortcuts or, or whatever, it will work in all yeah. of those apps. And, and it is really for all learners. Um, and then you can build on and see, because um, Apple just redid their whole um, everyone can code curriculum. Um, yeah, so that it's completely accessible. Yeah. 
Oh, that's cool. So that, it, nice. that it really means everyone can code. Boys, I don't want to be a okay. hassle, but you had a huh? third question. I do, third and it's a very, tweet, very quick tweets. one. It's a very quick one. It moves on from the, the eye work. It's uh, Rachel Smith, a uh, friend of the show, Rachel, who said she loves using numbers to scaffold. Hi, Rachel. Um, Hi, Rachel. She loves using numbers to scaffold learning because she was inspired by a tweet by other friend of the show, May. <laughs> Mary Kemper. So we've got, oh, very, we've, very got Mary. Oh, we've got East meets West. So it's um our West I meets. I think these ladies are teaming I think up so. I think so. Hey, we're playing. Uh, yeah, I think. Yeah. So just wanted to add that one in there just to show that ADEs from across the pond are still influencing each other and sort of moving learning forward and putting it into the hands of learners. Which, after thing. all, it's a beautiful thing and it's what we're all here for. So, guys, that was a yeah. recap of this week's EMEA chat. We'll uh, let you know what next week's chat's going to be about later on the show. Thank you. Oh, that's brilliant. Thank you. Well, if you're hearing this, you're still listening. Thank you very much for that. Um, let's have a look at what happened at the Americas chat that also goes through on Tuesday, but a little later than the EMEA chat. And um, this week, it was all about ownership of learning um, from K to 20. So your whole school career, guys. Um, and I'm not going to dive into what you think about the word ownership because that kicked off uh, more or less that conversation. Um, what, what struck me um, was question number four, and it seems to be the key number this week because I think, Martin, yours was question number four yeah. too. Um, this one was about what are some strategies and tools you found helpful in encouraging student ownership? And um, a lot of answers came to that. And I'll, I'll just get one out from, um, from Mrs. T. Leon saying, uh, moving to choice assessment, how are you going to show me that you know these skills? Propose it, plan it, create it. Uh, hashtag authentic learning, hashtag CDE. Um, Rosie Trujillo, who is uh, at Rose New Max, says teaching students with learning disabilities, self-assessment, reflecting teachers and student conferences was ongoing in the classroom, um, setting smart goals to plan their next steps for success. So that's just two of them. And I'll, I'll come to some uh, other replies uh, later on. About, what about you guys? Do you have some strategies or tools um, for encouraging um, student ownership? Uh, I kind of do something similar to Mrs. T. Leone. I don't move to a choice assessment, which though, but my my assessment of of pupil learning is pretty open. It's mm -hmm. um, I might give them a I might give them a task, and I will say to them, it is entirely up to you how you show me what what you're wanting. Um, so because I do I do work around the actual skills that um, Matt, Matt and I were talking about earlier in the in the show because I, I look at the skills that they're developing I might want to assess them on a particular skill of research or I might want to see if they can use um, use their knowledge of um, how to multitask properly on the device to, to find information so I'll give them a I'll give them a kind of broad open task but there'll be a core element that I'll be looking at, but I'm not telling them what that core element is. I just kind of let them let them decide themselves how they want to show what they understand or what they can what they can share. 
if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think I think yeah, for me, one thing that I I find a lot, and I don't know whether this transcends across EMEA and, and the Americas, is because I'm in university. I almost feel the students have been taught to be assessed in a certain way. So when I get them and I offer them an opportunity to do something different, it's really, really confusing to them because they've to get them out of that mindset. Yeah, the mindset yeah. is they know how to play the game to get. Yeah, an what do I need to do to pass? It's almost that. So yeah. one example, yeah, yeah. I I have a, an action inquiry module where I I say to them, look, this I'm I want to know how well you can do action inquiry. You set your own question, um, and you're going to present it in an ebook. And the amount of questions I get, how do I set up an ebook? How do I structure this? What, where do I put videos? Where do I, it's like, I don't care. You can do it however you like. You yeah, know, go yeah. have a look at some ebooks and, and do it. I'm not assessing how you present it. I'm assessing the content. So if you want to do lots of videos and pictures, great. You know, as long as you answer the, the question, which you set yourself, by the way. So, but it's like, it's so alien to them because up to now it's been, this is how many words you put in this section. This is how many words you put in this section. And I've just said, nope, you choose. And and it's... Sounds a bit like uh, challenge-based learning, it, right? It, yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That framework. That, that's the approach I try to, try to take, is is I want them to just, just go and find out for themselves. And, it, and the great thing is, prior to the assessment, it's the biggest panic in the world. But last year after the assessment, the feedback was it was, it was the best module that they've taken, not not because anything to do with me, but it, it had a real authentic learning opportunity for them. That's what they're going to do. They're going to go into schools. They're going to have a look at interventions and they're going to have to share that with somebody else in some form, be it a presentation, yeah. be it a book, be it you know, a poster, whatever it might be. So, yeah, but it's, it's interesting. I like that you say that because one of the replies that we got um, from that chat um, was from Casey Cohen who said, instead of starting with an app, for instance, saying we're going to do an iMovie project, start with a question and ask students to choose the apps that will be best for them to show what they know. Yeah, that's nice. And I, I really like yeah, that answer yeah. where they specifically, if we're saying everyone can create, um, there's so many ways of expressing uh, your knowledge. And um, I want to tie in with a, with a little story from a, a discussion I had with a teacher who said, um, I'm, I'm doing design thinking and it's always uh, rough for me to assess that because um, I have to wait till the end to, to assess the final product. And I didn't agree with him mm-hmm. on that because um, I think there's so many steps in between where you can yeah. assess and have students reflect on that. And the ways of doing that, of, of documenting a step-by-step uh, pro, uh, process with uh, the image galleries or the drawing. And, and if you split that up using a numbers file where you can feedback on every step, yeah then even your student already knows that they passed or not. Yeah. yeah. And I yeah. like that part of it, the whole, the whole cycle in the CBL too, is where you try it out and it either works or not. That's it. You get feedback yeah. from a community Kurt, and you go back in. Kurt, isn't that the, the really how we want to do it? I mean, they need to be sure in the end that they will pass because that's progression. So I think that's a, a wonderful thing uh, to look at it. And that's how I love oh, to yeah, do I totally it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, totally. I'm really with you on that. Uh, this, I um, this, this, this sort of mindset that a lot of people have that the only way you can assess is by having a, a final, a final task, a final document, a final 
you know, set of 20 questions that they go through and they're, they're judged on an entire year worth of knowledge, an entire year worth of work in one two-hour assessment. And that's suddenly a gauge as to whether they have passed or failed a course. It's it's a it's an outdated way of doing it. We don't do oh. that. We don't do that in the workplace. We don't. Is it not deeper than that, though, Martin? Don't you think? I mean, I I spent the day doing some reading for for college input and stuff that I'm doing, and and reading around how lots of schools are still structured around like three part lesson plans. So yeah. you have a starter, you have your main, and then you have your plenary. Well, that fundamentally is saying that learning is constrained to that hour. Yeah. And in that hour, yeah. I will tell you what we're going to do. I'll show you what we're going to do, and then at the end, I will test whether or not you know what I've told you in the last 50 minutes. There's a new, um, yeah. there, actually, Matt, there's a new um, uh, scientific uh, study that actually says that if you have, um, you know, um, subject uh, weeks, students yeah. learn better. Yeah I, yeah, I was looking at that as well. Yeah, Did you, did you really, see that one? So yeah, because it's, it's the cycle of how much learning you can exactly. take. It's, it's very much linked to the like cognitive overload, isn't it? So yes. if and you take always... on a little bit and then you can constantly kind of update, but once it's in your long-term memory, you can use it more productively yeah. than trying to take yeah. lots of information on in one sort of big lump. One, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's a progression and also yeah. that it's more, uh, more close to how we work yeah, actually, and yeah. how we want to work. Yeah. Um, so it's a it, it's a good study. Uh, yeah. I I don't have it in my head which study it is, but I can I can look it up. But you've seen it too, then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Hey guys, do you think um, listening to this? Do you think um, that having this creativity and the different ways of expressing skills and and knowledge and and the fact that you acquired something um, activates different parts of of your brain or helps you get a better concept of it if you're trying to do it with drawing because there's always this discussion between handwriting and and the touch of the paper and the motor skills and how mm. it gets stored um yes. what do you think about that because one of the tweets um was about um we use uh, goal setting and contracts so student contracts each term reading uh, goals they choose they justify they monitor and then they make books and pages that are perfect for collaborative record keeping um so the students can use text images drawings audio to get their point across I mean, okay so um, sorry, I, I, was just gonna, Go no, I was just gonna say i'm 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 actually doing my master's dissertation on dual coding at the moment so i could rant on for an hour about this but I won't, yeah that's so. what i was gonna say as well because it's like uh this could be a are you both following the course subject <laughs> no I'm, I'm i'm just saying that's a separate subject for a total whole section for a yeah. podcast because yeah. Um, so really, there's a lot of really interesting behavioral science yeah. as well in it. Yeah. So, right. so let's park this. Uh, one, yeah, please. Um, <laughs> I can smell something be... burning in the <laughs> smell something burning in the oven, and I, I think it's about time to to wrap this up. Nice. Um, and to wrap it up, um, Mia L Morrison uh, on Twitter um, started using Wakelet. So both Mia and Miriam are now using Wakelet to gather all the good ideas and links from both chats and uh, sending it out. Oh, that's so, great. So um, we'll try to follow her. We'll get yeah. that in the end of the, of the podcast then together with Miriam. Then. Great. Great. Yeah, yeah we will. Okay. Perfect. See you soon. All right. That was it for here. Boop, boop, boop. Questions with Matt. Woo! Right, we go. That's it's exciting. Okay, so guys, um, we've actually well, had some event, questions. Right? 
Yeah, we've had some questions, guys. This really? is well, questions. we need to. This is not going to be a get, like, I'm What happened? Our mom's to bake like a like a birthday cake. I know exactly. Right? It's a momentous occasion. Well, my so this is not going to be. This is not going to be Matt ranting or, or waffling for the next five minutes. There is Woo-hoo! genuine <laughs> question oh, from thank real you God. God. Thank, thank you, God. Listeners, thank you. <laughs> it could just be it could just be Martin's mum putting on some accents though and pretending to be people. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yes, okay, so uh, first question then comes from Rachel Smith, which is at Lanks Lass Rach. Hello, gentlemen. Um, this is Rachel Smith at Rach on Twitter. Um, I was in the Amir chat this Tuesday and we were talking about um, uh, reaching all learners. And I think when you think about reaching all learners, you think instantly about accessibility features. But I have a special needs class and um, one of the things I like to do is I like to create templates for them. It may be Keynote or Pages so that that takes away that um, actually reduces the cognitive load for them. They don't have to worry about making something. They can just fill it with content to show me what they know. Um, And I was wondering if you had any ideas of how to reach all learners, but perhaps maybe not with accessibility features, but with something else that's on the iPad. Um, I'm really sorry for my voice. I'm suffering from laryngitis, but I did want to send you a message. So thanks very much for the podcast. Bye. Okay, great. So fundamentally, her question is, what ways have we reached all learners in ways other than accessibility? Guys, what, what, what have you done? So not thinking about the built-in features, but just thinking about accessibility in general. How have I mean- you helped students? I mean, for me, it's definitely the creative apps, that the native mm-hmm. creative apps that has helped me a lot. And I've talked about that, I think, last episode. And I told the stories about, um, you know, like people that can't really express themselves. They use uh, uh, pictures or Kino or yeah. GarageBand. And I think that just speaks for itself. And I mm-hmm. think that's the native apps. And I, I, I think I rested out and I think they're lovely. So. Yeah. I've I've learned a lot um, by um, helping to write the accessible school and the team that was was on that. Uh, people like Luis Perez and um, Greg Alkin um, taught me about um, simple things like left align your text always. It's easier for people with dyslexia to yeah. read it. Um, and um, think about white balance. And and Luis has some some websites that will um, help you with picking the different colors. Um, like it, a design might look really nice where you have a white and a, and a shade of gray um, somewhere, but those colors are really close to each other. So someone um, cannot see that. And so every single time I create something, I'm, I now think about how can I make this truly accessible um, and not just pretty. Yeah. And I'm going yeah. to say as well, something really simple. I mean, I've got a, a, a learner in my, uh, on my course who um, has partial sight and just the simple act of sharing my keynote before a session by, by airdrop. Yeah. So she, she's not having to look up at the screen. She's, she's got her accessibility features on her device, which help her obviously as well, but just being able to share things so that an audience can have it closer to them. It just, it's such a hey, simple thing. Any of yeah. you, by the way, has any of you tried that um, that feature now with the AirPods? Yes. 
where you, With the, you kind the, of cancel the, the, the yeah. listen in. Yeah, the um, yeah, yeah. I've I've I've, um, I've tried it for. I've, I've got uh, one pupil that's got a sort of a, a hearing, um, a hearing issue, and uh, we do, we just tried to. We're trying to do that with her and just to see how it would, and it how really it works. Work. It's yeah, really it's actually yeah, it's a it's a really really sort of like handy little feature. It's um it's something that people don't um that people don't realize is there. But the 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 listen in feature that is available with the AirPods and for people that don't know is you can have your AirPods sitting over at one other end of the room and uh, they will pick up the audio and you can stream that audio to your device through the built-in oh, speakers. Nice, um, really, really it's good. A, it's a built-in control center feature, so it's actually it's a it's a really it's a really cool, uh, really cool feature to use. Um, for me personally, it's just been, um, you know, Johan, you were saying about creativity. I've kind of tried to do something similar, but I've tried to do it with uh, with code, and just mm. tried to find a way that that coding can be used as a way to make learning accessible for for a lot of people. A lot of people actually work. Uh, better by learning steps in order so we've been trying to do that with with code and help uh, pupils that might have processing issues or or, or issues yeah. around around that and how code is actually helping them to 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 start to structure their learning a wee bit better so yeah martin I, i'm i'm really impressed by that because i i didn't think about that until you just said it because it, it can be the other way around people that needs logic and structure they yeah. can see that in the code and they can't cope with other things and i i didn't really uh, realize that that's a really cool thing i'm i'm going to try that one cool. um, okay ah, fab, cool. right gonna hold you there rachel i hope that's answered yeah, your question uh, we're going to move on to our second question. Uh, this one's from John Smith, who's the iPod teacher on Twitter. John Smith here, the iPod teacher on Twitter. I have a question after the Apple EDU chat on Tuesday. I asked the question or, or made the statement that in order for students to have ownership, making decisions is fundamental. So without decisions on a student's part, there is no ownership. So I guess my question to everyone out there is, what things are you doing in your classrooms to make students make decisions? Okay, so John's question then. What things do you do that makes helps students make decisions? So what do we do that helps our students make decisions? Being a pain in the ass. <laughs> that's not just that's just not limited to students oh, okay sorry about that so the decision is to that. switch off <laughs> no no just being hard and and, and difficult <laughs> i get i get what you're saying i think i'm, yeah. I'm kind of similar I, I always say to my students it's that moment where if you've got kids that have tormented you with the question why over and over again use that yeah. back and just yeah. keep saying why but why yeah. But why? Why are you doing that? So that they almost get forced into having to make a decision. Now, one of those decisions might be to leave the classroom, obviously. But yeah, well, yeah, you hope yeah. that it's not. <laughs> I had a lot of those. <laughs> yeah, I I use the I use the word why um, quite a lot. Not you know not just to be a dick. That's you know something that that just comes naturally. But I I use um, why. Yeah, the, the <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm confused. I can't yeah. decide right last, now. Last recap after dark. Um, yeah, I, I think just um, sort of asking them why all the time. But why did you make that decision? Why did you decide to go down that route? What made you, you know, and and make them actually look at it from 
not the oh that was the first app that I that I thought of using or that was the first approach that I thought of taking. Mm. I actually make them make them justify justify it. Uh, you know, justify the approach that they took. You know. And in the other other end, I always use not yet. You know, like um, even though I am a pain in the ass when if they can't really reach where I want them to be, I'll tell them I'll I'll get you there, and you don't know this yet, which is my yeah. second best word. Ever. Why and yet? There we go. Why and yet? Why I think, and I yet? Think it's also I the think thing it's about, a good one. They they can't make decisions if you don't give them options. Like two new yeah, they need they need they need options. They need a they need a couple of they need a couple of choices. You know, they need are you going to, are you going left? Are you going right? Is yeah. it forward? Is it backward? You know, um, and once they, you know, I, th- I think part of our role is to help them see those those options, not always to give them those options, but to help them recognize when an option is given to them. Have you guys, Martin? That was a really good choice. Have you guys heard of <laughs> the uh, uh, for Matt because he's a that, PE teacher, like, thinking hat? so he knows like left, right, up, hey. down. Yeah. All right. Sorry, sorry, Kurt. Right, Kurt. Sorry, you Kurt. sounded like you were going to say something sensible. <laughs> Let's go to Kurt instead of this to Johan. Yeah, maybe, maybe something. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a try. Um, I don't know if you guys heard of the the thinking hats or like oh, thinking yeah. routines yeah. that could help you with that. Because um, we, um, uh, when we're looking at uh, a challenge, we try to we call it 360 it. Um, so looking yeah. at it from all angles, what's the pro, the cons, um, to help make you that uh, help you make a decision. And and the thinking hats, I believe it's Edward de Bono. Um, not or, or Bono. Yeah, no. please, um, definitely not Bono. <laughs> <laughs> not not YouTube Bono. He didn't come up with it. <laughs> Listen, it can it can be with or without Bono. Let's, let's be honest. As long as it's the edge. <laughs> yeah, Siri or Siri, same thing. Yeah, so I don't know if you heard of that, but that like those are um, yeah, six, lots of the wait, um, lots of the schools by us have, have, that have got help them you. Um, on display whether they use it in the classroom, I'm not sure, yeah. but they're def- it's definitely yeah. something that I've cool. seen on display in terms of thinking hats, yeah. Yeah, cool. Kurt, can, uh, where can you read about that if you want to Google it? So if you want to look at the um, technique. I think there's, uh, yeah, if you look at uh, Edward yeah. Bono, um, I believe that's um, .com okay, probably. Cool. Um, and then you get to his website and there's, there's um, the questions are there, there's, materials to download we can maybe uh, oh, we can maybe tweet that out from the last recap uh, twitter account that's great um, sounds good i'll uh, ask i'll ask okay. yeah, that's brilliant. John, john hopefully that's answered your question now final question is actually one that we're going to chuck out to the listeners um pluralizing listeners this this week because we know people are listening um oh, and this brilliant. one comes from janelle mccormick um at mcnelly 40 Hey, it's Janelle. Jess and I have a couple questions for you guys to continue the conversation from tonight's chat. One is, what do you see as the connection between motivation choice and ownership of learning? Our other question is, what is the role of community in building student ownership? Those are two topics that we didn't hit on that we think really could... um, are an integral part of this conversation. Thanks. Now there was a lot in there. Um, oh, that's she, a big one. Yeah, she, she, she. Um, there was obviously yeah. a big conversation. Kurt, you'll know about this. There's lots of conversation around the oh, the issue of ownership. So I just wanted to pick on active. one here and push it out to the mm-hmm. listeners. 
And that is about the role of the community in building student ownership. What obviously people might take the notion of community in very different ways, but what is the what is the role of the community in building some student ownership? And I think that's that'll be a great one to chuck out to the listeners to see what they think. And if you want to share your thoughts and opinions, we'll tell you in a moment how you can get in touch with us. Cool. Oh, that's brilliant. Love it. Okay, guys, um, that's it, I think. Good chat. Yeah, yeah, it was really... Flew by. I, I really enjoyed that people chimed in. Yeah. And nice. the question was quite hard, I, I must say. <laughs> yeah. Think, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, can you... Next time, please be a bit more... <laughs> no. What's your favorite? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Blue, <laughs> no, red. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good choice. That was, uh... yeah, that's it. So you can find us uh, if you want to tweet us at last recap on Twitter. But we have uh, personal accounts as well. And uh, we start with uh, the personal code of Matt, which is <laughs> what? It is at Matt6453. And, Not and my pin number. That's what you said. You uh, anyway, no, so. his pin number is 3546. Oh, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Martin. No problem. And uh, we'll, you, we'll switch to <laughs> infinite n- number one, which is uh, Mr. Kuz. Um, yes. So... That's, yes, at M double E S T E R Kurt. Oh, sorry, I said uh, Mr. Kutz. <laughs> because oh. I said, Hello, I said I hear infinite one. number one. I thought 81 oh, is infinite. infinite one number one. I felt like you were talking to yeah. me. On. You, you just hear <laughs> infinite sorry. and that's it. So, sorry, Let, let's <laughs> Mr. Mr. Kutz go first. Yes. So, <laughs> Kurt, so what is your handle? <laughs> Shut up. Mine, yeah, please. Mine? All right, should, I can introduce Martin. Oh, yeah. Well, Martin everyone, everyone's coach. talking about it. <laughs> you know, I think people have uh, figured mine out about six or seven different types. I'll just sit here and just drink my tea. <laughs> Anyways, I mean, you two guys, I, I can't handle you anymore. So mine is Anderson. <laughs> I'll let Martin, Martin Thank you. That's, that's very kind, Kurt. It's quite gracious of you. Um, I am at M Coots, C-O-U-T-T-S, 81, 81. And please, Mr. Kurt. Well, you've got yeah, <laughs> so mine's... Um, uh... just, just swap the I with double E and then you go... Oh my God, this is the worst ever. I, I've had another question from listeners. It just uh, says, stop. Yeah, so anyways, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not even going to give mine out. So... In Swedish and Swedish. Yeah. Håll tysta nu allihopa så att det kan bli lite lugn här. Så, där var Swedish, ja. Så, what's happening uh, next week? Indeed, and thought of yeah. <laughs> What's next week, Martin? Uh, next week for the EMEA chat, we have Challenged-Based Learning. Uh, that's taking place this Tuesday, March 5th, 8pm GMT. Hosted by C. Galley Edu. And Mr. Piley, so Chris Galley and Simon Pyle are hosting. Oh, that's a big subject. Yeah. Yeah. And for the Americas? Yeah. For the Americas, it's all about advancing learning through teacher-created content. And that's Dr. Casey Cohen and Bree Buck 
um, two talented ladies who are going to lead that chat again. Nice. Uh, you that's can really listen good to topics. that one on Tuesday, March 5th, too. And that's, uh, yeah, good topics uh, at 6 uh, p.m. And that's uh, PSD, Pacific Time. Sounds good. Is cool. there anything else you want to add? Then... Apparently not, then. No. no. <laughs> Who's bringing cake next week? Who's mom? Who's mom's making? I thought it. I thought it was Matt's dad. My dad. Uh, yeah, we could see. Oh. We could see. <laughs> I thought it was a whiskey then. So that's it. So have a good one, lads. Bye bye. Take care. Bye. 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 See you guys. Thank you.